friends, welcome back to another very exciting episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast. I am your host, Josh Griffey, here for a brief little bit of business before today's very exciting episode. Guys, it's official. Your friends here at the Film Alchemist have made it to Patreon. That's right, patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. Guys, it's the best way to help the show. It's the best way to make this show exactly what you want. For as little as a dollar a month, you can join our community, meet our patrons over there. A lot of fun stuff for as little as a dollar a month, guys. If you can and you begin to climb the official Highlander tier ranking system, you can actually select the movies you want us to talk about in a patron-exclusive library. We understand that every dollar is harder, and so we're trying to work as hard as we can to earn those dollars from you. We appreciate so much. Uh, those of you who support us, I assure you every single dollar means the world to us. So thank you for those of you who support us. Thank you for those of you who are about to. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist, see video versions of the pods and some other fun stuff there. You can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. You can find us on all the socials you're on and leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you find the show. Help us defeat those algorithmic funeral home directors that are up to something. We just can't tell what. That will make sense in a minute. <laughs> All right, guys, I couldn't be more excited to uh, introduce today's movie and guest. Today, uh, we are talking about a film that I've wanted to talk about since the very beginning, hundreds of episodes ago of starting this show, Tales from the Hood, one of the absolute best horror films that I feel like we forget about a lot. We forget how good this movie is. We forget how uh, topical and present this movie still feels when you watch it. And we forget that our funeral home director in this film is one of the all-time great movie monsters. Just so much to love in this wonderful film. Almost as much uh, love for the film as for our guest host today, Ashley C. Ford. Now, I'm sure you guys don't need an introduction for us, uh, from us. Ashley is a writer. Her book, Somebody's Daughter, is fucking wonderful, guys. It's one of the best books I've read in years. Um, I believe it's a New York Times bestseller now. Ashley is killing it. And when you meet Ashley, that's the least surprising result, right? Ashley's one of those people, you feel like you're in the ocean and a gigantic ship just brushed by you. And you're just trying to hold on in the wake of Ashley, right? She is enormously talented, wonderfully funny. She's witty. She's sharp. She's quick. You feel like you've been friends with Ashley for decades um, once you begin talking to her. She is... Just wonderful beyond uh, what pitiful words I have put together here. And I hope that Ashley knows how much we adore her. And we appreciate her taking time out of her very busy schedule uh, to come talk to us. And always to come legit with amazing films and uh, just wonderful conversation. So again, go buy Ashley's book, Somebody's Daughter. You can thank us for that later. Without further ado, go to patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. <laughs> I got you again with the capitalism. Uh, again, that's patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. And one more time, enjoy Tales from the Hood with our friend Ashley C. Ford. What's up, everybody? Oh, my God. I'm so excited to talk about this movie. All right. Uh, first off, our special guest back again after the 
I gotta be honest. Like every time we all get together, you pick the best movies. Ashley, Ashley Forrest here. What's up? What's up? Let's. We do thought it, it would I'm be so hard excited. to leap over Junior, but I think you've done it. I think you did it. I think you nailed it. It's uh, not quite yeah. as scary, but also excellent. It's, <laughs> uh, Ashley, do you want to introduce the movie that you picked for all of us? Absolutely. The movie I've chosen is Tales from the Hood, okay? A masterpiece, an anthology film, if you will. <laughs> what, what, what Martin Scorsese would definitely call cinema. Well, those Italians. Us Italians certainly know, I guess. <laughs> oh, like man, that? it had been so long since I'd sat down with this movie. And it took me back, Time Machine style, to this era that was so formative to me, right? This was when Tales from the Crypt was kind of hitting. Um, yes. This was when I was falling in love with X-Files. There yes. were so many awesome of these anthology slash Freak of the Week horror. Where, and the, the cool thing about anthologies and the Freak of the Week shows is you're getting exposed to so many kinds of monsters and mythologies and people. Yes. That it was just yes. this wonderfully formative time as a horror fan. And this one is fucking amazing. And it has several moments that you'll just never be able to forget once you see they're in the Pantheon. Yeah. Um, just fucking awesome to revisit. Just amazing. And I was telling you guys before the show, I didn't want to forget names because I'm so bad at names. But I was like, it makes me fucking mad that the funeral home director from this movie is almost never mentioned in the Pantheon of greatest horror movie performances I agree. ever. I agree. You know, he was in Shudder has um, this fantastic documentary called um, Horror Noir about um, black horror and about um, the history of it in film and really the history of horror in America, which is intertwined with blackness irreparably. And it's also they now have an anthology show. Right. Yeah. So now the I saw that. more people yeah. have the anthology show, which is like super cool. And I'm really excited about it. I'm really into it. But one of the things I love most about it is how much they hype this dude up and how much they hype up this film as as, as seminal to the genre. I mean, it's how can it not be? Especially like if you're going to do if you're going to do anthology. This is the way to do it. Like even in just like film format, like TV, anything like this is it, it's like one of the few times like I don't know. There's probably one other like VHS is always the thing that I think of when I think of like horror anthology. The frame story for VHS is such dog shit compared to this. One. Like this frame story is fucking incredible. Yeah. Well, VHS asked the question, hey, man, don't you want to sympathize with the wet bandits from Home Alone? <laughs> And you're like, not like a ton, <laughs> not enormously. No, not I mean, really. there are, like, in the pantheon of amazing anthologies, right? I, I mean, I, this one's got to be top five, top six. Has I to mean, be. Has there's to be. some really fucking good ones. Right? Like, obviously, I'm, like, a big lover of Trilogy of Terror and a lot of things like that. But yeah. this one is strong. And what I love about this one is there's so much extra going on in this one. This one has a lot to say. It's oh, something yeah. that really struck me, too, is not only does it have a lot to say, and it was just a different kind of... It just feels and looks different than a lot of movies of this era because they weren't getting made. Yeah. 
There's also a really weird kind of stain of the 90s on this film, which I think is really funny, is that there is a we want to make this movie about black characters and black culture, but also really appeasing the white audiences that they yes! thought were going to. It's all right. So am weird. I the only one that caught that? You're not. It was really You're like, not. it didn't hit me at all when I was young. So I guess mission accomplished, <laughs> but like yeah. watching it now in 2021, I was like, there is an enormous amount of white apology in this film. <laughs> an enormous amount like of white lot. apology. It's weird. And a lot of and and really it like when you think about it like it's 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 fantastic the way it's done because it, it it's almost like the black people's view of like how black people are treated in horror <laughs> you know wow, where yeah. somehow where like basically in the end all the black people are either bad guys or villains yeah yeah <laughs> and. Um, essentially take down themselves in a, in, in most of these instances. Yeah. In most yeah. of them, it's like, you know, well, really this is black on black crime. <laughs> well, like that first one, the, like the road cop revel, it's called road cop revelation. Like mm -hmm. the first one. And like that one, I, again, I got to the end and I was like, Oh my God, that's so unfair. But right. wait, it's kind – I don't even know. Like, it was one of those, like it – it's so ambivalent. Coming, though, where every story has an African-American character that is prominently shown not supporting the other African-American victims in the short film. Yep. And it feels and, – and it's one of those I, – I haven't fully settled in my mind as to why <laughs> that is except for they were hoping that, you know, white people wouldn't be like, oh, don't see that film. Like – Made me feel not cool. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? But like, there are films that it's like, yeah, sometimes it's hard and uncomfortable to examine the past and people's parts in it. And this film, weirdly, in the 90s, I'm glad it exists and got made. There is some of that. <laughs> There's, it's all over it. It's the neoliberalism all over it, you know, yeah. which yeah. is like, you know, oh, it sucks that that happens to them. That's wrong. But also, what can you do? <laughs> yeah. You know what it's I mean? Looking over your very nice fence, like, oh wow, that is a lot. Boy, that's a back lot. Down. Like, <laughs> it looks oh, rough gross. over there. Somebody should clean that up. Right. Um, right. Um, I don't right. like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go take a foot salt rub because that was stressful. It's wild. It's yeah. wild, but it's real. Like, and it's all right there. It, yeah. and, it, and it's in front of your face. And I think that, you know, part of the reason why this is like such a black classic, which means, you know, like in general, if you talk to a black person, they've seen this film. Like there are just some movies that are that. Like white people have like, y'all know, Star Wars. Y'all love to be <laughs> like, oh yeah, the new Star yeah. Wars. When I was growing up, it wasn't no damn Star Wars. Maybe Star Trek, because that was on TV. Right. You know, yeah. the Star Wars was like, nobody was really checking for Star Wars or thinking no. about yeah. Star Wars. That's that's all. hardcore white people shit. You know what right. I think is the quintessential white person movie is what? Shawshank Redemption. Every, every White people love the story of we are unfairly oppressed and through our wits and amazingness, yes. we escape. That's why Morgan Freeman <laughs> thinks he's white now. That's why Morgan Freeman has been acting like a white man for you the past few years. You think he got a little look, a little, uh, a little look behind the curtain, and he's like, I not do. bad. 
Not I bad. do. I think he realizes <laughs> due to Shawshank Redemption, he is untouchable. Yeah, um, and that white people will protect him at all costs, and he has been wilding ever since. He's not he using is that for the good. He's the narration in every white person's head. Like he is. Oh, yes. Yeah, he is. That's wow. how I feel about so, my life. Way to go. That is absolutely what's going on with him, right? But for black classics, for us, would be like like you would <laughs> you would be hard pressed to find a black person who hasn't seen like the whole the Jackson five American dreams miniseries. Like that's a black classic. Like we've all seen that. We've all seen what's love got to do with it. We've all seen waiting to exhale. We, you know, like it's just some stuff we've all seen it. And it's like, you might go out into the world and be like, Oh, this scene from this movie, you know, if I say you raggedy bitch, they know I'm talking about waiting to exhale. Whereas a white lady is going to call the cops. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. How dare you? How dare you? Ooh, what does but that I, mean? Why? Ooh. But this is a black classic, I believe, because even though you have um, this like sort of this story that is very comfortable for white people, for black people, it was like, a black people are in it. <laughs> We're <Yep>. in it, <laughs> so right. that's already given you a lot of points, <laughs> and B the stories are still centered around our history and or our community and or our issues and concerns. And back then, just that little bit of acknowledgement of being seen was enough for people to be like, well, yes, this is, you know, (laughs) like cutting edge. (laughs) Well, it's, you know, in this time, too, Candyman had come out and he was, you know, one of the great African-American horror icons. Mm -hmm. But if you go back and watch Candyman, that is a white film, right? That is hardcore. That is rich white people talking about their view of what's happening in Cabrini Green and this and that. Yeah. Not to like get in. I mean the arguments around the new Candyman and like wokeness and horror is nonsense. Cause this is one of those movies. I feel everyone I know who likes horror movies loves this movie. Yeah. And you want to be like, how can you be one of these? We shouldn't have politics and wokeness and horror, which is ridiculous. And like tales from the hood. It's the entire fucking context it, of the movie it's is the American entirety carnage. Of horror. horror <laughs> the genre in general is about yes. politics. Like there's yes. never been not a correlation between top politics and horror. Like, yes, Yep. It, it's not a woke it's not a woke culture thing it's not even a wokeness thing like horror and political culture just the client the climate in general of how we live our lives has always prevailed through the way horror works like that's just yes that's and just the way it is the other misnomer is all politics or identity politics i think people forget that right and this movie to me is one of the greatest examples right so these are like one of these kind of like new arguments you get in on twitter and shit that we all try to avoid, but sometimes you're like, I got 20 minutes. Like, whatever. Let's get into it. <laughs> uh, but That's this movie's neat. all the richer for being rooted in a reality. And one of the things that struck me, right? So we'll start going maybe kind of scene by scene, right? We'll do like each story. But one of the things that struck me about Tales from the Hood compared to a lot of movies from this time is, man, the more things change, the more they stay the same, right? Like this right. movie is exactly as relevant today. As yes. it was at the time of its conception. Hard agree. Hard agree. Yeah. That's one of the things that give it that, that classic feel. It's one of the reasons why it's a favorite is because every time somebody brings it up, 
you can think of something recently that's happened that relates to one of these segments, if not all of them, in this anthology. And it's like, wow. Like, yeah, politicians are still saying wild racist shit and still getting voted for. And, um, and like on. saying shit like that to get voted for. Like, that's yes. the crazy thing is like, yes. yeah. There used to be at least innuendo when this movie was made, right? Like a little wink and a nod. Now it's like so. Like all of them are great. (laughs) That section of the movie, I think, though, is so troubling. Mainly because it's like so. It it just it's never gone. It's always there. It's always around. Okay, so how about this? It's crazy. Let's do a a kind of straw poll. What was your guys' favorite segment of this film? Mine has got to be the daddy monster. Yeah, that's actually. That to me is just such a perfect short horror story. It's also the best Twilight Zone episode. There's a yeah. version. There's a there's a yeah. there, there's a Twilight Zone that does this similarly. Yeah. It's in the movie, actually, the movie Twilight, the Twilight Zone movie. Yeah. This is so much better and so much more to the point. Well, because the, the Twilight Zone one is uh, an annoying little white kid. Exactly. And because of his powers, every adult just gives him exactly what he wants. Yep. <laughs> so it's a pretty like, nice. This is like an actual version of that that makes <laughs> like, it's. It's but, so right, much. So it's so good. If we can't like all dolls. have like, oh, oh all right. Yeah. Let's actually let's just go chronologically because I don't know that we'll all have a, a, a an agreed favorite because they're all so good. So let's start with the police officer one, right? Right. I think this was actually the perfect one of the four to kind of kick off the film. Yeah. yeah. Ashley, what about this one just works for you so well? There is something about the grotesque way that it would do the close-ups. Oh man. On yeah. uh, in in um faces when like like the more hate there was, the more hatred that was being spewed. There was like this close up, you could see like the spit flying. And it was like, it was one of those things where you were like, this person looks monstrous already. Yeah. Like, they, like, in my mind, I'm waiting for them to like become something. (laughs) Yeah. But but they already look so monstrous. And I think that those shots are uh, uh, in that segment are what are just like emblazoned in my brain. Yeah. Are those moments. Well, I think as a young viewer, too, because I probably saw this in that, like, 10 to 13 range. Same. I think this was yeah. one of the first movies I had ever seen, besides Maniac Cop, and that doesn't really count. It's kind of in the title. He's a maniac, right? <laughs> They're not really doing much of a wink and a nod in that one. Um, right. This was one of the first films where, as a young person, I was asked to grapple with, you know, sometimes the people that are in charge and protect you, right? Uh, maybe sometimes they have ulterior motives. And sometimes yeah. that mask of, to your point, right? the monster underneath that mask of a badge and a uniform uh, could be hiding some really nefarious shit. Cause I was probably young enough. Like I remember hearing about the Rodney King incident, but only in so much as people used it to explain away OJ to me, you know what I mean? So like, I never really saw the footage until I was much older and there's something about the idea of them just being able to pull you out of your car and, and go at you like this. That was really intense and scary this is one of the moments I was talking about the um, that I don't like is when the the lawyer, right, 
whose job is to protect African-Americans uh, who are abused by cops, essentially, right, is what they, they let us know. That when he gets assaulted by the cops, he turns around and swings at him. Yeah. I hate that moment because I feel like that's a, uh, well, and it's like, dude, that guy would know better than that, right? He absolutely would. But yeah. it's also a very relatable moment. Right. And that's yeah. another one of those. You're like, have I ever seen like a non-criminal strike a police officer? So there's like a lot of weird mind games happening in this when I was yep. watching this as a younger guy. Yep. <laughs> it's wild. It's just so. I think that's the thing that makes the, the, the it's a, again, you're right. It's a great first one to start with um, because. Everything about the opening feels very real, except for, yeah, like the swing is weird. Like taking a swing at a cop feels strange, but like it's precipitous to get you through the, through the segment. But like, it's I, also probably pretty cathartic for a lot of yeah, people. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with <laughs> yeah. you, like, to be yeah. honest with you, I wanted to hit the cops. So like, you know, it's yeah. just one of the, like, but I always kind of have that feeling with the LAPD. Uh, either, anyway, like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm just a good law abiding citizen. So I'm not cool, me. Man. I mean, I'm in LA. <laughs> No, I mean, to me, I think that's the thing that's, but it feels so real at the beginning. And even when it gets into like the macabre and fantastic stuff that starts coming when, uh, when, uh, the, uh, Morehouse comes back to life, mm. essentially that stuff doesn't feel, it's weird to say this, that stuff doesn't feel not real. Like that actually, and there's stuff about that that feels like kind of like, grabbing balls from the grave i'm like oh badass but like yeah. honestly the scariest one for me is when the cop gets pulled into the uh, the, the cop oh gets pulled into the mural the fucking body that, melting that bit those bits always scare the fucking shit out of me in movies like there's never going to be a time where someone doesn't become like a painting or like still like wishmaster yes. shit that yeah. just scares the shit well, out he of me. does the fucking uh solve whatever where he's like throws the syringes at him too like it's, oh yeah that scene is fucking it's rad man awesome what did you guys make of when he rips his chest open and there is the green bottle in there i thought that was a weird <sighs> presentation for the ghost right I'm... why does he have that green test tube inside of his body hmm is it because know. they killed him with drugs and it was some kind of like fuck you to the cop or was Maybe. there some nefarious nefarious play after all? i don't know I didn't understand what that was. Yeah, really. me I've been try I've been pondering like, that for years and like never all the way settled on. I'm not sure what drugs look green besides like Mad Dog 2020, but like <laughs> I, I died I doing I what always, I love. I think I always thought that was like his soul or something. Or oh, like that his... would make sense. Yeah. Well, I wondered if that's how if we're seeing the way the cop wants to see him. Right. Because when the the officer who got fired comes up, he's all kind of like his body's put back together, it looked like. Right. So I was like, maybe there's something that he wanted to see. I mean, honestly, the shot in that one that really got me was they do this hard transition, right, of the incident we see and like, oh, we're going to kill him with heroin, which is another startling thing. I remember being like, what Jesus. the fuck, they can do that? And it freaked me the fuck out, right? But then we cut to the mural, and the mural, I think, is – probably my favorite part about this right because it really taps yeah. into this thing that you saw a lot when you were driving around la mm -hmm. these murals and remembrances right yes. and the thought that that's not just a nice gesture but that's there to scare you and fucking remind you of what happened right that's not a hey remember this swell guy 
But that's a fuck you to the city. Maybe it's even there to seek vengeance, you know? Exactly. Oh, yeah. And when they cut into the mural and he's, like, crucified. Yes. The imagery of that was wild. Yeah. And, like, really sets you up. I, I mean, there it's just there's a lot of energy, right? There's, like, an electric yes. energy in this film. Yes. I agree. I agree. And everything, like, the sh- that's one of the things. Like, I don't know what it is about this segment. Like, I love them all. But are they directed by different people? It's all directed by the same. It's all person, directed right? by uh, Rusty Cundiff. I still, they all like have this different tone though, mm-hmm. like in how yeah. they're shot. And this one was just like the most aggressive and startling. It's like you said, like it was perfect for an opening. Yeah, I do think that, even though it's not my favorite. Like it's when I, if I spend years between watching this movie, it's always the one I forget about first. Yeah. See, mine, I always forget about the last part. That's, yeah, the last one's the one I forget about. And I yeah. think it's because I'm just like, I could have done without 15 minutes of strobe lights. <laughs> like, it's really hard Bro. to watch. Bro! But I think maybe that's important to it, right? But I, I, I don't, I like this first one because it's this perfect taking the standard status quo and inverting it and, sh- like, you know, yeah. peeling the mask back and showing us the scary. And the, another little scene that really jumps out is when. So the fucking uh, main bad guy cop, right? The, you know, kind of like always swinging his stick around, calling everyone son or whatever. And boy, when he pisses on the grave and he bullies the shit out of his own little sidekick to make him piss. Yeah. And I was like, there really is no bound. Like once you become this kind of like hateful shit person, that moment where he's like desperately like you also have to piss on this grave, thus leading to, you know, the epic dick rip. But you're like, that's a really awesome kind of very small thing that just washed over me you know you know what it is that's so like weird and terrifying about that moment to me it's not even like and granted maybe because i've never had a dick to grab i don't (laughs) i don't entirely grasp you know like the severity of that it can be painful Um, but it does sound unpleasant for sure um I definitely, in that moment, the thing that was so scary for me is like, the reason the deputy did it, you know, or whatever, is because you gotta think about, you've already in some way, maybe even through a being set up, found yourself complicit at some point with this person, right? Mm -hmm. And now you're at a point where not only did they murder this motherfucker, but he has shown up to pee on the grave mm-hmm. of the person yeah. that he murdered. Yeah. And like, are you, is that the moment where you like, no, I'm gonna stick up for myself. Or is that the moment where you're like, this motherfucker's crazy. Yeah. Let me, yeah. I'm going to play along just <laughs> long enough to get my resources and materials yeah. together. Yeah. And then I'm out of this motherfucker. I'm that not guy definitely bye. has a tropical postcard on his refrigerator. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm going to take the bad shit I did and make peace with it with a Mai Tai yeah. and a Bahama Mama. They always, and it never works. It's like, no. that's why it sucks to be a bad person. Okay. That's like, I think almost like the ultimate point of this thing. It always sucks to be a bad person. It's like when you get into like the Robin life. And you're like, this is the last job. It's never the last never job. Never the, well, until it's like the last everything. Right? Until it's the last but everything. Even the officer who tries to stop the assault, 
right? Yeah. His ending is tragic, you know, because it's like, where were you when I needed you, brother? Yeah. He ends up in a fucking insane asylum. Yep. Blank. You know, essentially marked for all those police officer slayings. And they're just yep. like, ah, oh, some people, you know. And so even that, right, that's that's the, you know, yeah. benign evil of just keeping quiet and, you know, turning a blind eye. Yeah, that's what it is. Fucking yep. tragic, man. That one that one is really I wouldn't say it's the most mean spirited, but it's really because that one there's no kind of high ground. Everyone no. just everyone has sucks. everyone is so morally wrong. Like yeah. I guess Everybody. not so morally wrong, but just like everyone well, except makes... the victim, right? But of all of our like yeah. characters, yeah. no, except for Morehouse, but like, everybody makes yeah. just like a fatal moral mistake. And like we yeah. all know that the cops are gonna do it, but then like the cop who becomes a drunk and then ends up getting blamed for everything is like well, dude the one it's that... like he kept his mouth closed exactly and we see him end up as just the drunk guy yeah you're like fuck yeah that's what i mean i think this that was one of those horror movies where i'm like there's like adult shit i have to ponder now watching as a kid like Pumpkinhead, i didn't have to do that right i was like i've lost a toy i get it <laughs> based on the cops we saw how bad of a drunk was this guy that he literally got kicked off the force like that that part boggled my mind i'm like there's no way he was worse than the other cops you know <laughs> all right so let's go on to tale two right now this yeah. is uh you know the monster the monster's coming to my room yeah. i don't know what the actual titles of the film um this one is my favorite i think it's there is something about children in horror films right oh, yeah they yes. always work they're always fucking scary man no matter Even how bad you are no matter how shitty of a human you are how cynical or broken you are at a genetic core, we all want to see children be safe and be protected and have a shot to have a great life, right? Right. And this taps into one of those. And this is another one of those. A lot of movies do it a little more. I don't want to say that they don't take it seriously, the domestic abuse angle, right, in a lot of movies I've seen. Right. But it certainly doesn't have the impact of this, right? And that little extra right. layer of, you know, symbolism. Mm -hmm. um for those of us who kind of experience this in our lives this one really speaks directly to my soul and it just it's the most emotionally powerful to me mm. uh ashley walk me through this one what about this one still works um i mean what doesn't work about this one exactly. like you <laughs> I, I feel like i feel like this one is it, it does so much to essentially reveal yourself to you because yeah. you are really for a while like what is this monster that's yeah. like coming for this kid when are we gonna see the monster you see the evidence of the monster on the child like like it's an indictment like the whole thing of like him drawing the monster all of this like it's an indictment of how much and how often adults turn a blind eye mm -hmm. to a child that is showing this many signs, multiple signs of being physically abused and how often like that's not our business. And because we pretend to live in a fantasy world where it doesn't happen, the children have to create their own fantasy world um, yeah. where the yeah. truth can, can reside. Or even more terrifyingly, right? We live in a world where it'll never happen again. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? I think that's one of the other really scary things. Because what I really liked is I liked the way they actually showed the mom as a victim of this as well. 
Yes. Because there are definitely moments where you're like, man, fuck you. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, this teacher. That was another thing. I was like, man, this teacher, like, really giving a shit is awesome. So I was like, that <laughs> right. is not an experience you know, I that's ever the, had. That's the director? Is it really? That's the director. Oh, I oh, did man. not I love that. that even more that now. That is Rusty Tundiff, yeah. I love that he actually, like, gave shit and went for it, right? Yeah. Um, But you see him, because... And she's so sad in the film, the mom, because at first she yes. tries to use this kind of defense of sexuality. Yeah. And then just the like, you got to go, you got to go. And then mad yeah. at the kid because she knows what's about to come. Right. So even right. if she doesn't think he deserves it, she's mad because she knows what's coming for all of them. And then if she's trying to defend him at the end, you're like, fuck, man, she also has a monster. Yeah. You know, and it's I think a lot. That's another one of those things I don't love in movies where a lot of them are like mom almost gets off on it like how strong the dad is for like punishing the children there's like a weird like trying to make it okay that everyone used to do this at time not to this extent obviously right but i really like the portrayal of this one and what was really stunning to me was when uh the monster showed up and i went the cop from jumanji Right, David Allen Greer. This like melted Tony Winner, David Allen Greer. Yes. Yeah. As a child, I was like, "What?" Um, and he's amazing. He's so he's amazing. amazing it's in this incredible. Movie. He is because like this again. My first, the first time I ever saw David Allen Greer in anything was in Living Color. Me too. And it yeah. was when he was him and Damon Wayans were the uh, they were doing the movie reviews. Yep. As the gay dudes, and that was like. That was the first time I'm like, wow. And then Blank Man. And I'm like, wow, David Allen Greer is hilarious. Blank Man. I forgot like, he was in Blank Man. <laughs> like that as, as other guy. That's like my, oh that's my like God. one of my all time, like, that's one of my all time favorite superhero costumes. I, I think, <laughs> I think I have to watch Blank Man. I think now. you do too. I'm sorry. But it's weird that he's. I, what if not Walter weird. Like, grows up to be a supervillain with this newfound power and Blank Man <laughs> has to defeat him? That would be oh awesome. I think what I liked the most <laughs> about yeah. he's just so I mean he's just so villainous. Like that I think is I mean, crazy he because is terrifying. he's terrifying. Like I, I had never been scared of him even ever. for a second ever before. He's so lovable and he's one of those guys that when he was on stuff, you'd want to hug him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he's so funny and lively. Like you could just tell he's like the, you know, I'm here to make everything better and guy. He's somehow so much more sinister than like yeah. Any other character you could, any other person you could put in this role, like, is it because it's David Allen Greer and it's 1995? I hadn't seen him that pissed off since Boomerang. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus H. But I wasn't scared in Boomerang. No. No. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah, yeah, Holly Berry is just. It wasn't. It wasn't. I'm sorry. It wasn't I did not expect a boomerang. Wow. Wasn't expecting a boomerang reference. Well Lord. But no, I mean, I think there is this thing, though, to actors that we see as comedic. Right. I think a lot of yes. comedic actors. Yeah. Comedy yes. comes from a place of tragedy. Right. Everyone. Yes. You know, that's like the old adage. I think a lot of these comedic actors have these great. Dark, serious things they can pull off sometimes if given yeah. the chance. And this one yeah. is great. And and even the scene when he busts open Walter's door and it's oh the shadow God. of the monster. You mother. And then we turn the camera and it's him. And it I was like, terrifying. that is perfect. Short horse story. It's also his like, he's also just David Allen Greer's also been just short in my brain. 
and I think that's what makes it so scary is like he's so larger than life. Like oh I like God. it's not even the way they framed him. It's it just makes he, us the audience Walter. He right? takes we up feel the like whole frame of him. Yeah, we all become Walter. And like I think what's the other thing too is actually I feel like from the top I kind of had a feeling that I'm like this is going to be a father or a stepdad or something. But I think there were those of us it, that knew immediately what was happening. But it didn't matter. Like that is like yeah. the that is like the really genius thing about this is like it didn't matter like it yeah. still was so fucking scary yeah because the way it's directed puts us all in walter's shoes you're right Greg. yeah well it's also, also these, just these like... aren't your daddy's backhands these are fucking open palm strikes like chuck yeah. norris strikes to the face and you're like what the fuck he's like come on and it's like god damn right like this isn't a playful like even to the know, even to the, the teacher dude he beats the shit out beats of the, the teacher. shit out of the teacher like that that one i was like do people do that? Like, if you like, like, because the only other time you've ever seen anything like this, like, it's 1995 was Kindergarten Cop, and you know, like, fucking no one's Arnold, beating that teacher. Yeah, ass. like Arnold beats the <laughs> shit out of the, the the beater dad, and you're like, well, that makes sense. This is, but okay, now this is true. The thing that I think was kind of terrifying about this was that it was kind of, at least as a kid, he was whooping people's asses so hard and so swiftly that I felt like, is he a monster? Like, is he not really a person? Like, Mm -hmm. is he just like a monster in human skin? Oh, okay. I thought that, like, when I was a kid, that, like, he wasn't, because I was like, ain't no way he beating everybody ass. (laughs) That easily (laughs) with just regular human strength. (laughs) This is not a ninja. (laughs) This is a motherfucker. Like, like, come on. Like, yeah, yeah. There's no way. There's no way he's whooping everybody's ass. Like this was the the most shocking display of ass whooping since Monster (laughs) Squad, where Dracula bitch slaps a cop like this. He does like a fucking like. You know, it's like those little old ladies in the pool aerobics classes that just move their arms. Dracula beats a cop's ass with one of those, and I was like, "This guy's for real. Like, we got, we got to get out of this fucking town." That's what David Allen Greer's doing. He's just fucking. I mean, like for real, just palm striking. And then obviously that the ending with the practical effects where he just gets gumbied. It's be- but this is okay. So there's two things about this so I love. Cool. Right? One is that he's still holding the frying pan when he's a puddle. He is right. <laughs> you're like, he that is. you're like his determination to still whoop that ass is lovable. That's the only thing about this guy that is lovable is you're like he has gumption. I'll give him that. He has gumption. It's the last thing he has intact is yeah. his audacity. <laughs> <It's just> that, <laughs> but he's even like this ain't over, bitch. <laughs> he's yeah. like, like does he even have a throat anymore? Like or lungs? <laughs> but like he's so determined. He's like when I unliquify. Hell is coming to town, and you're like, that is a level of badassness for this evil, horrifying monster man. But secondly, past this, the joke of Puddle Man. <laughs> How many times do you think Walter tried this before? Oh. How many monster drawings has he ripped up and destroyed and tried? Because it was his grandmother, right, that told him, like, rip up the things that scare you and throw them away or burn them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many times do you think he tried this before unsuccessfully? And why this one? Okay, I have theories. Yes. 
My number one theory is that um, his grandmother did a version of hoodoo, like African-American voodoo, because voodoo comes out of Haiti, and African-Americans are not necessarily from Haiti, but a lot of shit got mixed together in African-American culture in um, slavery days. She know a little hoodoo. She do a little hoodoo here or there. I believe she understood that because of the violence that the child had witnessed and had inflicted upon them, that the power of their intention would be 10 times what oh, she would like be that. able oh, okay. to, yeah. to conjure. But she had to tell him how to do it. So I do think that he tried it before, mm -hmm. but I think that there were certain like things that needed to be done. There was a certain like advocacy he needed, yeah. right. an instruction he needed to know how to do it the right way. Because so Tyrone became this like say, canary in the coal Here's what I think, okay? Here's what I think. <laughs> I think that what happened was that it was part of it, part of it was that he felt he had this advocates, right? So now he right. had his like grandmother who's like working her shit, her roots and shit in the spiritual realm. And he has a male advocate, an adult male advocate in the real world who he can see. His mother actually fights on his behalf and he sees a display of strength from her and that gives him the confidence to not attempt to crumple and, and break in private, but to face the monster and do it in front of the monster. I like that. The Holy Trinity, man. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There you go. Tyrone's, Tyrone's ass just got cut in the <laughs> maelstrom. Fuck around Sorry, and find Tyrone. Out. Yeah, hey, man. Maybe chill. Yeah. <laughs> he'll he'll be fine. I mean, he just fell down some learn. stairs. He'll be all right. You'll he'll be, be fine. Right. Yeah. Fine. And he'll be better for it. Lesson learned, man. Lesson learned. That's how it goes. Yeah, I wonder what Tyrone was holding. Just like a number two pencil, like, oh! <laughs> I, I thought that one was just... And when, she, when the mom got to step on the painting... And the blood splattered all over. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Fucking righteous. That one that one is perfect to me. Let's yeah. move on now uh <laughs> to our racist politician, right? A clan mm. member politician. Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> but this Who is saw that starring yeah. the world's most hateable white guy, Corbin Burnson. I don't like it's, it's a perfect casting. He's just he probably is a real sweetheart in real life, right? Guy. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny though is that I don't know if everyone remembers, but this was another David Duke, the gr former grand, you know, Harry Potter of the clan, whatever, whatever. the fuck their titles yeah. are. Um <laughs> he yeah, American Harry Potter got really dark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, he was. actually quit the clan and was like i'm cool now guys i'm running for office yeah and i'm assuming that's exactly what this is based on little did we know uh the foreshadowing this right. one is also uh scary dolls always work for me there's something yep. absurd and magic about it 
It Me shouldn't too. be scary, but it Not makes it Not just scary dolls, but scary dolls with like the horrifying history behind them. You're like, that's even worse yeah. than that. I was going to say, of all painting. the scary dolls, these have the most laser missile focused intent <laughs> for their, their nefarious uh, way. And actually, I don't even know if you would call it nefarious, right? You come into the house and start fucking around. Justice. And yeah. literally just begging this house to come out of the painting and fuck you up. Feel like you're gonna get it. This yeah, one also fair, has. We also have our. Um, again, we have the character who's selling his soul to make this uh, yep. white evil guy palatable, and he gets got yep. right. So that's a sad thing that was in the yep. movie. He's like Dule Hill's tether. Yeah. <laughs> Asher, <laughs> what did you make of uh, the Revenge of the Dolls segment? I love this one. I love yeah. it. And, you know, one thing I love about it is the, um, the authenticity and the honesty. Because, you know, black people are always going to give you a warning. Okay? <laughs> Even in the afterlife, yeah. we, are, we tend to be a gracious and compassionate people. Like, we never <laughs> really just going to pop off on you for no reason. It's like we're going to let you know that the pop-off is coming. Um, and then we really just leave it up to you to do with that information, whatever you will. <laughs> and so when that first doll popped out the painting, it wasn't really there to kill everybody and to kill him and burn it. You know, it wasn't really there to do all that. It was just like, hey, bro, the thing is, you got to get the fuck out. Yeah. So get the Even fuck out. Even that guy tells And him. he wouldn't. Even the guy tells him. Well, let's do to, the list, he right? He, got, he, gets two, he gets two shots. Because no, that he gets guy, a lot of fucking that, shots. Because <laughs> that guy understood. He was like, I'm trying to put you on game. I'm betraying my people to put you on game right now and tell you the truth. And you, the, the, just the, the caucasity of the moment. Like, is that a this word? This is what you choose. It's a word now. Is that a word that I can use as a part Middle yeah. Eastern man from now on? I'm in. Absolutely. <laughs> like it just, it, it was, it was so unfortunate. And he was like, no, no, I like the, the writing is literally on the wall. Okay. And I'm not, this is literally, not a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> this is not, this is not a Destiny's Child album. Look at this painting. You see these gaps. You see the doll. Yeah. You know what's going on. Like, let get the fuck out. How do you not put it together? Stop chasing just, waterfalls, Because he man. refused to put it together. This is like, this could have also, this could have just been an anti-vax segment. <laughs> all those little fucking uh, dolls are just people in your life that don't want to hang out with that you. That don't want to get, those are uh, all the God, people that are dying yeah. from COVID. And, and, that and he's you're just like, screaming with this flag. I have a Facebook article you should read. <laughs> I did my research. <laughs> I did my research. <laughs> I did my. There's some chiropractor in Florida that's like, I'm going to teach you to be camera ready. Uh, right. But no, let's let's run through this though, right? So perhaps it's the moment he finds a realtor. I'm assuming he said, hey, can you find me the most racist digs ever? <laughs> so he definitely got a blurb about the house. <laughs> he, ha he knows the history of the house. He searched the whole house. There's a mob outside saying, hey, man, not this one. There's the crazy guy. There's the uh, dude who's teaching him. Right? So there's Do like there's about warnings? 15 warnings to 20 warnings. And it feels like for him, he's like, 
That's just one more second till I get to start saying really racist shit in the comfort of my slave massacre home, right? Like he's refusing to heed the call because he he's wants like, don't this. get between me it. and my massacre home. Yeah, that's like this hubris of racism. You're like, nothing will happen to me. I can get away with it. Like that's like that. Po- that's and that political. Even watches the footage of his uh, former campaign manager getting thrown down the stairs by that doll, <laughs> and is like, hmm interesting development we'll <laughs> be back it. after these commercial breaks and it's like what are you doing get the fuck out not that like it's you're like, rooting for him to get the fuck out of there but you didn't see this man get yeeted yeah <laughs> actually like, it is the biggest flaw of the film is that we didn't specifically see that doll yeet <laughs> I, I just want to see the physics of that the thing, because like <laughs> clearly they got like superhuman super doll strength yeah, yeah at Works least fine. normal strength right they've got normal human sized strength but but it's that thing where it's like this is what happens bro y'all like the atrocities <laughs> like when you really think about what slavery was and like what it did to people and their bodies and and the way a people were treated like in mass it's like, of course, there's enough fury to bring a doll back to life and whoop yo sorry ass. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of fury. Y'all used to cut motherfuckers' hair like sheep and put it in chairs and couches and shit. Like Ugh. it's chairs and couches full of slave hair that like people find in antique markets to thing? this That's day. A thing? Guys, yes. I'm, I'm glad my people were to in this Syria. Day, <laughs> To this day, guys, people are finding what? antique furniture and stuff, and you cut it open to like refill it or whatever because like you want to reupholster it, Jesus and maybe it's Christ. got a nice wooden frame, and you're like, oh, I can get rid of all this filling and reupholster this, and it's gonna be a beautiful chair. You cut that shit open, and what falls out is like, what kind of cotton is this, or like, is this like cotton have mold on it or something? And then it's like, oh no, this is human hair, and that's what they used to like. It was considered really expensive chairs and stuff if you could get it filled with slave hair how is the okay i think you just broke I, like a part of my brain I'm sorry. Like, I, there's, there's also no way there's no horror movie that can ever be made again in the south that should not be about like everything being haunted like, you know what I'm saying? What the we fuck? Can write That's it, guys. why we'll the South is chair. so haunted. <laughs> yeah, hair chair, and we'll have the chair get revenge. You know what I'm saying? Hair chair. God Yo, damn. That, it's ass-eating season. That's what the poster will say. It's ass-eating season. Ass-eating season. <laughs> and it's just this really pissed-off chair. That, like, melted my brain, Ashley. Yeah, I did I, uh, not yeah. know. Didn't know I think that. this is one of the things, though, right? I think this is something that you kind of have to address when you watch the film. I think... It's kind of like how they say, like, we can't even imagine, like, a billion dollars properly. Like, it's such a big number, it doesn't add up to us, right? Yeah. I think there is a base level that most of us just can't comprehend the totality of horrors that happened during slavery. That was a long time ago, and we don't think of people like that. Like, even probably the most hardened racist people today don't even hold a candle to just, like, the normal citizenry life back then. I think it's really hard for us to fathom. Yeah, the the absolute nightmare of that, right? I mean, almost impossible, right? Like, just yes. you can't fathom how horrible everything was, and yeah. so the idea that yeah, like the very least that that congeal, right? Like that's Ghostbusters too, right? It forms that pink shit. How yes. much pink shit is sitting under that house? 
You like, know what I'm saying? A mountain of gelatinous oh, blob. It's the river of ooze, bro. Yeah. Black Vito is here. I mean, that it, shit it probably poured up. from that house all the way to New York. That's probably how much <laughs> hatred. That should have been the third Ghostbusters. Right. But that's what Black I'm saying. Vigo. Like, so yeah, the I idea that, that the bare absolute minimum is they're like, all right, this one old lady can have a doll army. Like, that's a very small get. It really you is. Know, for all the rage. It really is. Uh, but I, I, I just love the. I love the part, too, because there's these great moments. Corman Burnson is so good in this one. Yes. And I do feel like there's a lot of actors that probably got that call from their agent, and they're like, ooh, maybe this is not exactly who I want to play. No, but Corbin Burnson, yeah. I think this might be his form of reparations. Is He's like, no, like you can all hate me. It's okay. Like I'm me specifically, <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. I'll be all right. I'll be all right, guys. I know I'm never going to be the lead in anything cool. I'm never going to be a romantic lead of anything. Yeah. I'm going to have be really major deeper. league, the dentist and this. I'm going to play a lot of terrorists and serial killers the rest of my life. That's what I'm going to do, guys. But you know hey. what? I'm, I'm going to do it for you because I just because this is where we are in life. Yeah. He wants to set an example. Yeah, and that the way he plays too, like when he's listening to like the hey, this is what you say when they ask you about the house and your KKK time, and the way he spins it at that dude's funeral, you're like, oh, yeah. that is wonderfully villainous, just really nefarious shit. Or when he's like, no one's in this house anymore except for me and these dolls. I can say all the shit I've been wanting to say this whole movie, you know. Like he unbuttons his shirt and he's like, time for racist shit, <laughs> and it's. It's just he's really good in this film in a role that's probably not super savory for most people. I I actually think the thing I take away most from this one that I love, I love that old lady just rocking in her chair watching him get massacred. Yep. At Rusty Cundiff's mom. Really? Hell wow. yeah, man. I love that, too. But wow. there is there is something so beautiful about that. That's, image that to me. I'm like, I read that and I was like, that feels like that's that was the best Mother's Day gift ever. <laughs> personally whenever um my enemies falter or <laughs> i have great success or i am experiencing a moment of um immense peace mm -hmm. i do believe that some of my ancestors are like around me rocking in um their rocking chairs like yeah yeah nice nice that's what i wanted to see um, I just wish my enemies would stop being so good at stuff. Yeah, and or I would have very, all my enemies are very successful. Yeah. So that's, my enemies uh, are killing it right now, and I have so little success. <laughs> but when I do, Grandpappy, but you'll be rocking. Yeah, Grandpappy with your your ghostly hookah and you know backgammon board. <laughs> when I do, <laughs> when I finally have a success, I can't wait. Yeah, I I don't know, man. This one is just iconic for so many reasons. It's fucking wonderful. Um, all right, so now we have come to probably my least favorite segment, but also Same. this is the really intense, like, we got to make this movie, and we're going to say exactly what the fuck we want to say with the <laughs> yeah. loudest microphone we can. Yeah. Um, it reminded me a little bit, because there's a lot of, you know, hip-hop music playing, right? Born to Die and this and that. It reminded me of when NWA first came out, and my mom would, like, make sure I wasn't allowed to go near the record store for oh. fear that I might hear Black Rage. 
right? Like that was like a big ordeal. Like you can't listen to that album. Like you can't hear. Like we would all find it, right? Because we're like, what the fuck is this? That makes our parents so afraid. We have to find it. It's yeah, like we had to go out and get it's it. It's the inverse correlation, yeah. right? If you make it that dangerous, we're like, we want it. And then you're yeah. just like, oh, it's just like music and shit. Like there's, like, <laughs> all right, right. Um, this one feels the most how I remember these kind of characterizations of the '90s. Right? It's almost cartoonish at times. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's an important decision they made, right? To steer right into the way that these stories were being told and then go after them. And this is also the one where they really drive home the black people also being part of the horrors of the film, Ashley. What do you make of this this madness that is the final story of this this film? You know what always fucks me up with this story? is that there's this moment um, towards the actually the end of the segment mm -hmm. where uh, when confronted with uh, the uh, the people who the souls of those he's harmed the um, mm. protagonist oh harmed, yeah um, which is terrifying in and of itself but when like oh. when confronted with these like souls, one of the things he sort of says is like, you know, nobody ever helped me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I was not, I grew up on these streets too. Like I had to be yeah. a kid and like born, I didn't ask to be born here and all this other stuff. Right. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I know this is a horror thing, but this is also now becoming a weird, like moral, like a more like moral thing happening here. And, What's upsetting me about it is that it's not offering um, to look at what actually got Crazy K to this point. Like, yeah. Yeah. and in not doing that, even in like the bit, but in not doing that, the like, the moral thing feels a little cheap. Yeah, a little. It, it starts with him it's, just seeing a car and spinning around. Yeah, and the guy yeah. gets out of the car like, "Hey, what's up?" As if he's just a normal, yeah. innocent guy who gets wasted. Right? It's almost yeah. Right. By not so even his crime is shown as extra mean and aggressive. Yeah, it's okay. Just, you know what it is though. It, the moment where you're like, "This one might not." And again, I was like, "I'm probably not the right audience to say if this one's working properly or not." Right. Uh, I'll address that about the entire film up front. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, the part when they put him in the cell next to the Nazi. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, "I like you because you're like me." And I was like, "That feels like a bit of a stretch." Like, are Come you? On. The, I mean, yeah. you weren't weird. born a Nazi a with those thing about, tattoos. It's, it's, a it's the what about black on black crime story. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's a strange thing about this is like it. The onus of blame falls on a uh, crazy K in a way that's so like not. It doesn't feel in the spirit of the rest of these stories. Like, I think that's the thing that bothers me the most about it, and the thing that kind of doesn't work at all for me. Like, it's not He's like the most vicious and the least humanized. Yeah, and like it, even the way it ends, like the ending oh, dude, itself. Oh, dude, they clockwork Orange's ass. Like he's literally yeah. just meat on a spinning table. Like he has. Oh yeah. So let me ask you this, Ashley, though, right? Yeah, because yeah. he's put there next to a Nazi, and then they yeah. do what feels like three minutes of him spinning on a table, showing black guys in ski masks and guns next to lynchings and KKK uh -huh. members. So I was like, there now he's like the KKK and lynch. Like yeah. 
But here's here's the yeah. question I kept coming to, right? And they even show the little girl in the ghostly scene, like it is very jarring and intense. And like again, the 15 minutes of strobe lights, you're just like, God, oh, please, oh, yeah. this nightmare. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, I'm like, what is this? A Spencer's gift? And in the 90s, without the oh, fucking my- bongs and dildos, like what's <laughs> happening? But uh, <laughs> but this is this is the question I kept coming back to, right? Yeah. Also, the fact that the doctor who creates the behavioral modification as a black woman who clearly says that she thinks he's a scumbag, whatever. Yeah. Why is this in the film? This was a conscious decision by an African-American storyteller to show it this way and make it this way. Is this an appeasement of some sort or is this maybe maybe this is him saying – I don't know. I, I can't, but that's what I mean. He I intentionally decided to close the film yeah. with this story. Yeah, which ties in, obviously, to the end of like yes. the whole story of the right. anthology. But it also, I mean, it is interesting to look at the placement, right? Like, it's really interesting to like get to the end of this story with this terribly one-dimensional racist mm-hmm. And then go straight into a story about a terribly one-dimensional, like, super thug. That it's like, that it's sort of saying. The white nightmare, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's sort of saying if that guy is the black nightmare, this guy They are just doing sit-ups all day and ready to shoot us. Like, oh my God. Right? But (laughs) That's all he is in The difference between the two is that... um, the second one, or yeah, the the last one, the one we're talking about right now, it sort of asks us to absolve the the white oppressor of some of their responsibility because of how we continue to perpetuate the system. Yeah, even though there is no what it doesn't acknowledge is that like there's no model outside of that system. Yeah. Like yeah. there's no other there's no other track you can get on to be part yeah. of polite society. Um, the system cr- exists specifically to create crazy K to scare the shit out of us and end up like this. Yeah, because then you yeah. guys spend a lot more money on things like security. Well, not you guys, Alex, not me. Middle Eastern well, again. Yeah. But. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Italian. Specifically, specifically the Dandinos. Specifically, Alex specifically Dandino, my house, elite. Yes. my house with my Guatemalan wife and Me my and house with my American Midwesterners. We're real American Midwestern I, success I, stories. I, I, like Alex. See, but that's what it is. Like it, it's such a strange thing because all I could pull from this the entire time was like I feel like I don't have like it was just such a I didn't understand like I I did had a not, small theory. Do right? you? Because I really like it just I wasn't un- yeah. I understood how it worked with the end of the yeah. frame story. I did not understand why it, like, it's ballsy to put this as the last yes. story. For sure. well, there's a there's a strangeness to it that. OK, so the second time I watched it to get ready for this. Right. Yeah. I was like, why is the the uh, assistant dressed like one of those like sex robots from Austin Powers? Yeah. I was like, there's some weird <laughs> shit going on. I was like, is this really science when she like puts the spring-loaded thing down to hold his dong in place. I was like, yeah. there's something really not science-y happening, right? Yeah, there it is happens a at commodification. This right, and what we see is there's this ultimately tragic moment, right? Which, again, you're like, I fucking hate this moment. Is when he gets out, I don't give a fuck. 
I don't yeah. give a fuck. And he's like staring at this dead child and all these people and he's got a chokehold on this girl, right? And then you cut right. and it's just him, like just screaming into the void, I don't give a fuck, right? Right. And you're like, that feels like the wrong way that these characters are always portrayed, right? Right. What happens is when the lady's crying, like, you know, there's still a chance for you to be saved, blah, blah, blah. We cut to he's actually lying on the sidewalk shot. Yeah. Yeah. So this really in my mind is like, is this his end of life vision flashing before his eyes? Is this him grappling with the way that he has seen himself portrayed in media his whole life and by other people and how he became this monster that they told him to be? And I wondered, is the doctor his mother? Right. And that's why she wants to save him. And she's like, you can still be saved. Is the doctor in that not like some mad scientist, but that's the inner conscious. Right. His mother, who's like, you can go another way. Was that girl who was dressed in the titty bot his girlfriend. Right. Like maybe someone he could have made a life with. Um, Was that younger girl, maybe his sister or daughter that he's now leaving abandoned in this scary world. That's something that crossed my mind once he like cut back to the pavement. Wow. Because otherwise, then you're like, did they drop him on the sidewalk drugged and then they just ran up and shot him like how does that happen i'm gonna tag along with that and say what if this actually what if this whole scenario is actually a hallucination right before dying yeah that's that's my theory right is i was like i think that's that's what you're saying right that makes total sense to me and so then it makes sense that this is in an african-american told story because this is a man who became what they told him he was confronting did it have to be this way so on some level then it lets crazy k be a real character because he's having a real human confrontation with this cartoon character that we think we're watching in a you know linear story right that could be because it never made sense to me why this final one that just seems to absolutely hate its character exists in this movie you know, be, and maybe that's and you know that's the thing. Like, if you've only ever been taught to hate yourself, yeah, it's like, what does it take yeah. to make you consider that it doesn't have to be that way? Yeah, and I I think that's maybe what was happening. Um, I don't know if we get there because it's pretty fast after that when he's on the sidewalk. We're back in the yeah. funeral home, but it's just one of those things that just never felt like it fit in this movie. And I thought maybe today I'm like, maybe this was the, you know, we talk about it a lot. Like some people are like, I don't like the Black Christmas remake. It really talks about like college rape a lot. And you're like, that's the point. What did you think? And also, if if you get a chance to make your movie or write your book or you don't get a lot of those chances. Most people never get one. So why not fucking say exactly what you got on your mind? Is Is the Black Christmas remake the one where he uh, kills his mom and make bat cookies out of her skin? What? Uh, if it is, I forgot that. What movie is that? Sorry, isn't that Black Christmas? Like, the remake? Wait. I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. Good lord! I well, now I'm gonna have to look. Now I gotta. Now I gotta watch Sorry. it. Jesus! Sorry. The new Black Christmas remake is fucking awesome. Uh, but okay, it's another one of those movies that falls into like the you know oh it's horror movies are woke now blah blah blah. But I, whatever. But I, I, like I think that beat though, Griff. I that think makes... maybe it makes a little more sense. You know, if you kind of think about it as that Crazy K is actually the narrator of the story and not just this like prop to torture. Um, I like that. More. I like that. Yeah, that makes yeah. more sense. I like that a little bit. 
also maybe yeah I, I don't know i think that i think that works for me so let's talk about to close out real quick the uh the wraparound story because again this gets into a little bit of that these characters kind of get the crazy k uh rendition right where they're pretty they pretty thin right yeah it yeah. feels like we're doing like almost a bit right at the top we're like how do you kill something twice you know oh, i would never refry beans i'll do it right the first time and i was like what is happening with these guys yeah. there's a little bit of it feels very much like those characters were written by like someone who was my classmate in sixth grade, right? Right. And you're like, this right. is strange. But then the funeral homekeeper. Um, and every moment he's on screen and talk about This ain't no funeral home. Oh man. It's so fucking But dude, when he He's like the shit, the poopy doopy. But yeah. when they just have like the close ups on his face. He's so sweaty and manic in his eyes. And I was just telling my wife, I was like, get in here. I was like, this is a million-dollar face like that. I was like, everyone who makes a movie, that's what you're trying to capture on film, right? Is that right there? Because he looks like he has so much going on inside of him that his face is going to rip in half. Yeah. And the dark, infinite abyss of everything that scares you is going to pour out. I used to do that to my brother to scare him. <laughs> just a we would be at my grandma's and stuff and we would be we would be like at my grandma's or whatever and i would like be hiding in the kitchen or something and he would be looking for me and i would get up on the counter and he would be peeking into the kitchen because it's dark in there he knew i was in there but he didn't know where i was and he would be like <laughs> and he would be like are you in the kitchen and i would be like this ain't no kitchen <laughs> and he would get really upset. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, what was his name again, Alex? I totally fucking spaced Clarence it. Williams the third. I mean, just it, it does piss me the fuck off. Cause I was like, if you talk <laughs> about the top ten best performances in any horror movie ever, right? Hard agree. Hard and not agree. even like Tony Collette and Hereditary that should have won an Oscar. I'm talking about like the iconic monsters of horror, right? How the fuck is he not in there? Tony, let me just say for the record that Tony Collette was so good in Hereditary yeah. that every time I remember she's not dead, I am like, oh, yeah, that was acting. That yeah. was she's yeah. an actress. And that was also <laughs> you drop to your knees and you're like, thank you for letting Tony Collette keep existing. She's so great. Please. Thank you. And let this yeah. continue. And this performance <laughs> was just so I mean, it was like I felt like it, he was so moist, and it was going to get so on me. So moist. And he had yeah. so many layers evil. of clothes so on. Sweat. Yeah. So many layers of clothes. And it just felt like, to me, I was like, you know what? If the devil is just, like, hanging out and, like, toying with people before taking them to hell. Oh, dude. It, the devil would probably be this sweaty after yeah. a minute. Like He's just got this much like, free time. Yeah. And also, he's like, look at my toys. Look right? at my toys. Yeah. Oh, man. Look at that... these other dead people. Let me tell you these tales. <laughs> so awesome. And then that ending, so right? Welcome to hell, motherfuckers. And he morphs yes. into this awesome fucking awesome giant, devil. like, organ monster. Best devil. God, I mean, so freak good. out. It's so good, man. He, it, It's wonderful, though. And that's in a film that's full of wild, insane imagery, he is still easily the most iconic thing about yeah. this film. I agree. Agreed. And that is a true testament because he really just kind of shuffles about talking. Yes. You know, and in a film with like the rubber body and the melting body and the fucking evil murder dolls. Right. Right. The strobe lighting. Like, no, he's no. The justified murder away. dolls. Oh, I'm not saying they're not justified. <laughs> I'm There's just no saying 
They're doing the right thing. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I'll give you that one. Yeah. <laughs> the world was a better place. So what? <laughs> I was doing the Noam Chomsky, like, I don't even swat a fly. You know what I mean? I'm here for. Then you're like, no, that doesn't hold with Corbin Burnson. <laughs> Not with Corbin Burnson, man. But Not yeah, but I'm, I'm saying of all that amazing shit this movie has to offer, he is wow. the the, it's the thing the in here, very man. best ingredient in the entire thing. Uh, and, and he's just the best. And I don't know why he wasn't in every single horror movie after this. I think, I'll never track that one. You know, I can't think of any other ones that he was in. But I remember I used to, when I was a really little kid, I used to get him confused with the redhead guy. Um, <laughs> like the big black redhead guy. Uh, do you guys remember the like campfire tales? That no. was also anthologies. No. And it was like really classic. Ta- well, anyway. I'm going to find it now. Yeah, now I have to watch it. It's a fan. It's a, it's another anthology movie, and it's called Campfire Tales. And it's these kids who are around a fire, these teenagers, and they start telling each other scary stories. Ooh. A little and Are You Afraid of the Dark classic. Midnight kind Society of, stuff? Yeah, kind hell of, yeah. yeah. But it's very classic scary stories, even though I, I think this movie is rated R. I don't think it is, <laughs> like, for children. That's how we used to talk as kids back then. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> And uh, yeah, there's this very, there's a large uh, black man with red hair who also has these sort of very intense features and can do that like terrifying thing really well. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I just get this. I I get, I used to get them confused when I was a kid because I think I wanted (laughs) to see more of him. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I just, I was stoked when you picked this one. This is on my list. I have like five. That every time, every October rolls around, you're like, we're doing a shitload of movies. Like, we'll do one of these five that I want. <laughs> and this and uh, People Under the Stairs have been my top two for two years. The and no one doing People Under the so Stairs is crazy because it's good. just the fucking best movie. Um, it's so good. Yeah, I that movie is just a masterpiece. But then I was stoked to finally get Tales from the Hood off. I was like, all right, like someone finally got there. And it's... Every time I rewatch it, I'm like, it's not just good. It's truly one of the, like, best horror movies I've ever watched. I love essentially every second of it. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ashley, thank you so much for making the time and your busy schedule to talk with us. It's always a pleasure. Uh, a lot of laughs were had. A lot of a lot That's of finding out that Alex needs to think back on his past. <laughs> Was also had. What is happening? Everyone knows I'm not just like white guy, right? That's no, fine. The I'm word of the week is reparations. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna say caucasity because that's like my new. Oh, caucasity is definitely that is the my word. new favorite word. Also, Pete caucasity <laughs> of the film alchemist. On TikTok, the kids on there always have great words for um for what like they'll they'll say you came in here with all this alabaster audacity. Dude, I'll tell you what, these kids on TikTok are fucking wild. They are wild. And I love them for it because I don't think, I'm like, guys, this exists forever. Good on you for just running headfirst into the blender because you live in a world now where you're not afraid of it. 
They don't give a shit. They don't give, they don't a, give a shit. They'll be like, let me tell you something, you Manasian American. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, God what? damn, that's good. Yeah. God damn, that's good. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Kids we are out of TikTok control. to remake Tales from the Hood. Right. They need oh. I, mean, I think it's time. You know, I they, can do it. I could write it, guys. Well, they made some very it. tragic sequels to this film. They did. Oh, the, at least one. There's, I think there's, I think there's that two. I've seen. And there are, but I've only seen one. You're pretty good to just watch this one, guys. Watch this yeah. one. Everyone, make sure to go find Ashley. We'll have all of her detail in the show notes. Make sure to buy Ashley's fucking phenomenal book. Oh, my God. Somebody's got her. Yeah. It is. It's it's really it will make you cry a lot in a weird yes. way. So when you read it in public, make sure you have a shirt on. I learned that lesson at the beach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> your body does weird things that scares people in public. If you're reading Ashley's book. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you yeah don't don't look da- if you're fat like me don't look down while you're reading the book because you're like just everything jiggles because you're laughing and crying. It was it's funny like, because when we went to the dunes, we were having like a beach weekend. There was a uh, conference or like a school, a high school uh, rolled up with a bus of cross country athletes. So right next to our blanket was like 15 just young fit people. And at one point I was crying reading Ashley's book and I rolled my head over and the look of sheer terror on their face at watching my body react to Ashley's book. Now that's that's a tale too terrifying for the mainstream. That's a tale from the dunes. That was the immediately the when I was like, from the, dunes. Yeah, the tale from the dunes, <laughs> uh, the blob that rolled onto the beach. But that's when my fitness journey started. So that's another bonus of reading. <laughs> well <done. laughs> All right. Thank you guys. You know, the deal. We're almost there. 31 days, 31 pods, guys, a couple more left. So stay tuned. Bye. I love Peace. you guys. Bye.